Good morning, everyone. It's great to uh, be with you in your lounge room or wherever you might be. Uh, it's good to be together in this way. Uh, it's a bit sad to think that we're still in lockdown. We still can't meet. Um, I know it's affecting a lot of people and uh, hopefully we can share some uh, news and com- have some conversation later on in the uh, virtual morning tea. We're still doing Isaiah and we're doing chapter 41. That's my, uh, my brief. But I've been given, I've been given a, a topic, a heading for my sermon and it's who governs history, which is, which I find very interesting or in, unusual, uh, to be given that as a, as a topic for, uh, guidance for my sermon because I, I don't know about you but I've got a uh, an, an NIV Bible and it's on top of my chapter 40, 41 it says the helper of Israel so I don't know but we are going to look at it like that because it is, it is interesting actually when I when I stopped and thought about it because I, I know it's been mentioned a few times when we were able to meet together that uh, Isaiah is, is is basically a historical account some people think uh, of what happened long ago, nearly 3,000 years ago to the nation of Israel. Isaiah is often referred to as a, as a place where there are great history lessons uh, to be learnt about uh, God, about his character, God's expectation of his people, etc. There's lots of interesting historical things to look back on in the book of Isaiah. However, Chapter 41 is a very interesting chapter for a number of reasons, which we'll look at a few together in a moment. But one in particular is that, that there is a very, very practical application which is extremely relevant to you and me, to the church, today. Now, that's, that's unusual. It really is in the book of Isaiah. You don't get many occasions... Uh, where you get that. And it's, uh, it's a very interesting period that we are living through here, not in just Montmorency, but the whole world with this COVID situation and things that are happening in, in uh, the news. So when I, when I was given the, uh, the topic, I did my thing, you know, I'm 63 now, birthday a few weeks ago, second ISO birthday, not good, missed out on an awful lot of chocolate, but anyway, I'll, you know, it's good, I guess it's a good thing, you can trim down a bit, but um, being 63, it's too late to change old habits, so I did what I normally did, do, I uh, looked up the word history, I know, boring life, but anyway... Have a listen to this. This is what comes up. When you look up the word history in the dictionary, it says a branch of knowledge dealing with past events. Number two, the second meaning is continuous systematic narrative of past events. The third meaning, aggregate of past events. The fourth definition, the record of past events and times. Any word there sound familiar? What was the the key word? Past. And, and I guess, I guess that's how we look at history. It's the past. But 
most of the time it's a distant past for us. You know, the historical events that happened long, long ago. However, Isaiah 41 is not about the past. It's not. You see, history, history is, a, is unusual in a sense that it's what happened yesterday. That's what history is. What happened yesterday? The doggies are in the preliminary final by a point. But it's history now, isn't it? History is also what happened last week. The Bombers didn't make it any further into the finals. Our season is over. History is also what happened a month ago or two years ago, ten years ago. That's history. Today, it's not history, is it? It's not Today's the present. We live in the present. And, you know, it's sad to think that a lot of people are living in the past, letting the past affect them, affecting their, their joy of life, affecting their health, mental health. And some people are working so hard for the future, looking for what they're going to do with their career, what they're going to do when they retire, looking towards the future and working hard and making that their focus. And what's happening is we're missing out on the joy of the present, what we can actually do and live and experience right now. Sounds very simplistic, I know. But you see, history can be three days ago, 300 years ago, or in this case, in Isaiah 41, nearly 3,000 years ago. And, and history, whether we like it or not, does impact us. I know there's been a lot of negative uh, comments about the discovery of Australia, our historical roots, you know, what happened in the past. Not all good. And unfortunately, we tend to judge history by the standards we have today. Not a good thing. But, you know, it could have been a lot worse for us if the British hadn't discovered and settled Australia when they did. It could have been a lot different living here in this land. A lot worse. It's interesting about history, isn't it? So that's history. So then the next word I looked up was govern. I know, I know, you don't have to tell me. But govern it means, has four definitions as well, I found, four main ones. The first one is to rule over by right of authority. And that's the main one that we, we think of. And when we say govern, yeah, that's what, that, that, that's what comes to mind. But it's the next three that are really interesting and are related to the topic heading that I've been given. Okay, so the second one is to exercise a directing or restraining influence, to guide. Right? The third meaning of govern is to hold in check, right? to control. And the fourth one, which all the, all the, uh, that Ken would appreciate this, all the, uh, all the rev heads, you know, it means to regulate this, like the speed of, like a governing on a, on a motor, the speed of a motor. Now that's really interesting, isn't it? What the word govern means. So who governs history? 
Now this morning I'd like to look at Isaiah 41 a little bit differently. I'm not going to go through it verse by verse. There's a lot more in there. We didn't read it all. We don't have the time because there is a real gold nugget in Isaiah uh, Isaiah 41. A real gold nugget that I'd like to focus on. But I need to give you some background. I need to give you uh, some some, uh, information to make things make sense. So I'd like to look at Isaiah 41 in, in a parallel way, right? I want to look at the people of God in the Old Testament and the people of the, the Lord's people in the New Testament. We both belong to God. Both groups of people belong to God. And we have a parallel journey. And it's really interesting how, how at times those, that, those parallel lines intersect, touch, kiss, cross over. And it happens here in Isaiah 41, what's happening here. So that's how I'm going to try and do it. Hopefully it'll make sense to you. If not, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to keep going anyway. All right, so Israel, up until Isaiah 41, Israel has been been, uh, going through some tough times and their main concern seems to be the Assyrian Empire, which is which is all around them, taking land and nations and and and, and causing a lot of problems. And we we remember the the Assyria the Israelites going down to Egypt to try and make alliances with other nations to try and hold off the 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 conquering Assyrian Empire. And and. They were living in fear. They had to be living in fear, thinking of what would happen if they were conquered, if they, if if if, they, if the Assyrians came and and took over the land. They lived in fear, and and uh, Keith Jackson about three weeks ago, uh, he he looked at Isaiah thirty nine, and he he gave them even and he told us there that Isaiah gave gave King Hezekiah even worse news. There's another. Another empire going to come, and he's and it's going to it's going to you know cause us so much grief like we've never known before. Going to change the way in which they live and exist. And Hezekiah, well, he he wasn't all that concerned because he wasn't going to be around there. It's someone else's problem. That was referring to the Babylonian Empire that was going to come. Isaiah was not talking about history when he was giving this information to the people of Israel. It wasn't history for them. They couldn't look back and see that. That was future for them. It was the future. You see, I don't know what sort of Bible you have, but I I have an NIV study Bible uh, a Thompson Chain Study Bible, and on the top of my chapter uh, 41, it gives me a date, an approximate date with a question mark on it of when this was written, supposedly, and it has on it 712 BC, long time ago. But Isaiah was talking about an event which was going to happen, not sometime in the future. As, as, as we would often think of it, oh yeah, sometime in the future and we forget about it. No, no, no. 587 BC, it actually happened. 
And what Isaiah was talking about actually happened in 587 BC, 125 years after Isaiah told the people, warned the king it was going to happen. They weren't prepared. It was 125 years later. 125 years, you know, just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? But have a listen to this. Have a think of this. I don't know if you've noticed uh, Josh's shirt. It's a disgusting shirt. But anyway, there's a, there's a date on it, right? There's a date. 1892. Yeah. Historical event when Collingwood uh, was established. But if you take out, if you take off 125 years from 2021 where we are today, you know where we get to? 1896. 1896. Can you imagine trying to explain everyday life to someone in 1896, how we, we just live today? Imagine it. You know, talking about uh, horseless carriages with, with motors that, that now don't even make a noise. You, you could get into this cylindrical uh, tube-like thing with wings and fly over oceans to distant lands. You, you'd have this little little rectangular device in your hand which you could talk to and someone, someone in New South Wales or in a different state or a different country can hear you. Maps. Maps that talk to you and tell you how to get to play. And I could go on all morning. They would think you're nuts. Wouldn't they? They'd think you're nuts. They just couldn't imagine it. And that's what happened here. They couldn't imagine what Isaiah was telling them would happen. It could not possibly be true. It could never happen. In 587 BC, it happened. So Isaiah told them about it in uh, 712, 701. Jerusalem was besieged by Assyria. Well, that was pretty bad. But they, they managed to hang in there for a while and in 612 BC, this is what happened uh, that King Hezekiah was warned about in Isaiah 39. The Babylonian captivity begins. And in 586, Judah, the last remnant of the nation of Israel, falls to Babylon. And in 562 BC... King Nebuchadnezzar dies. The Babylonian Empire is in a bit of strife. And in 539 BC, Cyrus, King Cyrus III, overthrows the Babylonian Empire. This is chapter 41 of Isaiah. You see, history... We look back at this, it's history to us. It wasn't history for them. At times it was the present that they were living in and at times they looked at it, it was going to be the future. But when Isaiah spoke these words, it had not happened yet. It had not happened. And, and in chapter 41, we have a provision by God himself for his people to help them 
in 539 BC. Remember, this is 712 BC. I know it's confusing, but you can you just, just, just keep that in your mind. 712 BC, God is planning, has provision ready to go for 539 BC to help his people, to rescue his people, to restore his people, to redeem his people, bring them back into the land. And the folk knew nothing about it, absolutely nothing, apart from what was hinted here and and glimpsed here through Isaiah's prophecy. Now, there's a governing aspect, yeah? There's, there's, where's where that, that little word governing in the title comes in? A guiding events. There, something is guiding the events of history that have been past. But it wasn't past, was it? It was future. It hadn't happened. And there was a restraining influence all that time. You know, the, the, the nation of Israel could have been wiped out. Other nations had disappeared. Other people groups were wiped off the face of the earth. But there was a restraining influence. And even though the, the, the emperors and the, and the regimes and the soldiers of the, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they were cruel, heartless people. Now, there was no Geneva Convention, Josh. There was something holding everything in check so that there were, that little remnant would remain intact. The Persian Empire, King Cyrus III. Why is it so important? Why, why, why then? Why did it? That was a, that was 175 years from when they were captives. 175 years for, for sorry from when they from when um, Isaiah warned. King Hezekiah to when they came back. Why, why, was, why was it important? Well, see, King Cyrus was a very enlightened thinker for the time. And it's important about history that we remember what it was like at the time. And here was a king, an emperor, a conqueror who would go and conquer lands, but he never did it like the others. He wouldn't deport them. He wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, get slaves and bring them back to wherever he, he wanted them to be. No, he wasn't like that. He was a humane ruler for the time. So King Cyrus, he, had a, he reversed the policy of deportation. You know, that's, that's, what, that's, that's what happened to, to, to Jerusalem, to the Israelites. They were deported in that captivity. They were taken from, from their homeland to Babylon. And he, he embarked in a program of repatriation. That means going back, restoring. And you know, Israel was the first people group that benefited from that program. Huh? Now, that's not a coincidence. That's divine design. A little bit like creation, don't you think? Hmm. Now, all of this, all of this was mostly unknown to the people then, in the pre- that were present in the passage. Now, they were thinking, they were just, they were concerned about Assyria, this current conqueror that was happening, and all the rest of it. It's a bit like us, you know? Another virus? 
Who knows? Who knows what's around the corner? We're, we're, we're focused on, you know, maybe just tomorrow, you know, or the next week. And, and ScoMo, to his credit, he's trying to encourage us, gives us the news this morning in the paper, well, it was last night, but it was in the paper this morning, that maybe by Christmas, I know, by Christmas we can have dinner together with our families. We can travel interstate. That's probably as far into the future as most of us are looking at at the moment. And these people had no idea how things were going to turn out. But there was somebody governing the events, the future events. They were powerless, seemingly at the mercy of forces beyond their control. A little bit like us today, where we've got a couple of rogue premiers, you know, you know, wanting to exercise extreme control and we're at their mercy. But that was far from the case of what was actually happening. There was a powerful, guiding, protecting hand at play throughout the events. Not historical events, present events of the people that we're reading about. This was not history for them. And what we're going through today as Christians, as, as human beings, as fellow Australians, it's not history for us. And this is present. This is our life at the moment. Just have a quick look. If you've got your Bible, have a quick look at what it says there. It says there that, that God, in verse 2, stirred up one from the east. You see, God, God, God isn't just in control. He's working. He's, his plan. He, he is intervening into, into, into events, future events. He's already got it in his mind. Future events. He stirred up one from the east. And it said there in verse 2 as well that he'll hand nations over to them. That's referring to King Cyrus. He'll be mentioned later on in, in Isaiah more clearly. But that's who it's referring to. You know, we live in troubled times as well. Not exactly like it was back in Isaiah's day, but troubled times nevertheless. COVID-19, the restrictions, our, our freedoms being, being, you know, taken away. There are people who are living, living in fear every single day. Fear of the virus, fear of the vaccine, you know, fear of, of what's going to happen with my business. Oh, uh, uh, generational debt. You hear about that. I was speaking to someone on Thursday, and and they were saying, you know, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm a bit concerned about my future. You know, all, all this great debt that we're getting into, it'll be there for generations. I'll have to pay more taxes. They were they were really concerned about it. The person was 15 years old. Shouldn't be thinking about things like that. Depressing. We live in an unsettled world. The Afghanistan situation, the Taliban, you know, gaining control. Who knows what's going to happen with that? The Chinese expansionist program that we see in the Pacific, that's a concern. And the, the, the lack of influence in the world of the USA, that, that every year that goes by, it seems to be they're having less and less restraining influence. They used to be called the policemen of the world. They're not doing that now. 
And then there's climate change. Let's not forget climate change. You know, we're all going to die because it's going to get too hot or too dry or too windy. There's the fiscal situation of the world. You know, everyone thinks everything's honky-dory, but I'm telling you what, if people start calling in the debts, the world's in a big, big financial mess, and that's going to impact every single person. Then there's the overt and covert religious persecution. You know, we, we say we live in the lucky country, Josh, you know. There's no one, we don't have to worry about anyone coming in with guns and things like that here, even, even this morning. But covertly, our religious freedoms are being eroded by the governments every day. You know, they're just trying to get rid of the, uh, the, the prayer in Parliament. It's just the beginning. And then there's the, the destabilisation of, of, of societal norms, you know, the way that we normally live as society, just being eroded day in, day out. And it's giving people so much concern and anxiety. So where does that leave the people of God? Where did it leave the people of God in Isaiah 41? Where does it leave you and me this morning? And we come to that nugget I was telling you about. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 8 to 13. We won't look at all of them. But the first thing that God says to his people, a strategy that he gives them, a provision that he makes for them is he says, remember who you are. You just remember who you are. And that's the message for this morning too. Remember who we are. Yeah, in, in Isaiah, it, it talks about God calls the people there his servants, you know, like they were chosen and they were his servants. Have a listen to this. John chapter 15, verse 15. The Lord Jesus is saying this to us this morning. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have, known, uh, I have made known to you. So that's our relationship this morning. We are the friends of Jesus, the friends of God, the Father. That's who we are. That makes us different. It makes us special. It makes us privileged. Not a bad thing. You see, the significance of the nation of Israel, they were a little nation. They didn't have a great army. They were small. But they're still there today, Josh. Right? A lot of other nations that were bigger, more land, bigger armies, no longer exist. The significance didn't reside in themselves or even their circumstances. And we, you and I, we're not significant in ourselves. We're significant. Why? Because we're chosen. I have chosen you. If you keep reading in John chapter 15, verse 16, it says this. You did not choose me, said Jesus Christ, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's our mission. That's God's mission. 
and he's chosen a group of people, a motley group of people. I don't know how we're going to be able to do it on our own, but we're not going to be doing it on our own. But he's chosen a group of people and he's governing that group of people. He's protecting it, you know, looking after it, supporting it, which we're going to look at in a minute. So that's the first thing he says. Then he says, do not give in to fear. Don't give in to it. This is what's happening to us today. We are so terrified of this virus that, yeah, 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 whatever the government, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. Giving in to the fear. You know, the enemies without are easy to deal with. God dealt with those. But God here was concerned about the inward fear, the inward enemy, giving in to fear, because that, that, that is more dangerous. It undermines our relationship with God. And it causes people to do things. Fear causes people to do things they wouldn't normally do. And sometimes it, fear causes people not to do things they really should be doing. And then the third thing that God says to them is, is hey, have those, remember the memories of the promises that have been fulfilled. You know, God in, in Isaiah often t- reminds the people of God of all the promises that their ancestors had enjoyed, had, 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 had fulfilled. So why, 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 why is he going to change now? In fact, God says he does not change. It's the same yesterday, today and forever. God, what God has done before for his people, he will do again. And again and again. God redeemed his people. He's telling them in Isaiah, God redeemed his people in Exodus, from freed, freed them from the bondage of Egypt. Uh, we read that in Genesis, sorry, not Exodus. It's the Exodus. Uh, and we read about the problems that they had in Genesis and then the story of, of the, the, um, the redemption in, 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 uh, in Exodus. And then, and then these people didn't know about this yet. And then God redeems his people again by sending the Messiah, the Calvary story that we read of in the New Testament, which you and I are a part of. But it does not end there either because the final or the completion of the redemption of God's people happens at the rapture. When he takes the, the church home and the Lord comes again to earth at the second coming, that is guaranteed. How do I know that? Because God's always kept his promises. And that's what he's telling the people. That's what he's giving them as a strategy for what's to come for them. So the application for you and me today, and time's moving on, so I better hurry. I hope I hope you've got this little bit of paper that came at the end of the in touch. There's a little little chart there, Isaiah four ten, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It looks like a little bit like what's on the screen. You see, the practical application of Isaiah forty one for you and me starts at verse ten. Verse 9 says, I have chosen you, I have not rejected you. You and I have been chosen to be the people of God, to the Lord's people we're known as. And in spite of, of COVID, war, flood, pestilence, climate change, moral decay, in spite of all that, God, not only did he give this to, the, to his people in the Old Testament, 
He, it, it's the same today. It's the same today. And I'm going to share this with you this morning. So the first little... And you, and you know what you can do with this bit of paper? You, you know, I mean, you're technologically smart people. I'm a dinosaur and I was able to do this. You, you can shrink it to be this size. And you can put it in your Bible or in, or in, your, or in your iPad or you can put it on the mirror in the bathroom and you can look at it every single morning. And hopefully by the time we finish this, it'll be a blessing to you every day. Or you could do this. See, I was able to do this as well. This is another thing you can do with it. You, you can space it out. <laughs> I, I know, very rudimentary. And you could, you could actually write, which is, which is what I've done here. It says, do not fear. Maybe, maybe you could actually write what you're fearing today or tomorrow and then fill it in. It's a good exercise, believe me, it really is. All right. So anyway, that's, that's at the end of your in touch. Print it out. So the first thing to look at on the first day of the week, this is, this is the application, the first day of the week, what does God say to us in verse 10? The first thing he says to them, do not fear. Don't be afraid, depending on which version. I love the King James. It says, fear not. I love it. Fear not, Raph. There's a lot to be afraid of out there. Now, I know some of you aren't well, and you're worried about your health. And I know some of you have got issues wondering whether you need to, you know, seek treatment, have procedures. And it's a concern. Of course it is. And it causes anxiety. Some of us aren't working. Or like me, reduced hours. Not making as much money. You have financial difficulties. Some of us are worried about what the actual future is going to look like. Young people are like that. There's a lot to fear. And, and it's not just a glib phrase that God gives you when he says, fear not or do not be afraid. You know, there are 365 little phrases like that that start like that, either do, fear not or do not be afraid, do not fear. 365 different verses. That's a, that's a coincidence. 365 days and 365 fear nots. Hmm. Now, the second one on Monday, Monday's a bad, the bad day, isn't it? Some of us fear Monday. But, but, but God says, fear not. I'm with you, for I am with you. Now just think about that for a moment. You know, here he's alluding to his presence to the people in Isaiah 41. And it was very important to them. You know, they were led by God in the wilderness by a, a pillar of, of smoke in, uh, in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night that protected them and guided them and told them where to camp. Uh, they had the tabernacle, which when they set up the camp, they would put the tabernacle in the middle of the camp and then everyone would be round about them. And then, and then there was the temple. And in the new, when it came into the New Testament, it says that, that God himself was, was clothed in flesh and tabernacled amongst them or, or dwelt amongst them. That's what it says. Very, very important. God being amongst his people. 
But it's better than that, Josh, for you and me. Because now the New Testament believer who has trusted Jesus Christ to be their own personal saviour have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwelling. Indwelling. That's a gift of God. So there is nowhere you can go and God's not there with you. There is no situation you can find yourself in where where the Lord is not there with you. I'm with you. That's a comforting thing. Let me tell you, it really is. Just recently, last year, someone was talking to someone who was in a hospital during COVID that had a heart attack, that that had a procedure done, and they were crying in the room, the ward, And they were saying, I feel so alone. I feel abandoned. Now, they were a Christian. Well, they are a Christian, sorry. Wrong phrase. And as gently as I could, I reminded them, hey, you are not alone. The Lord's there, right there with you. There was nobody else there, Josh. Josh, No family member there. You know, you couldn't have family members. You still can't have family members in hospital. I said, you're not alone. The Lord's there with you. Just just call out to him. That's the privileged position of the people of God, the children of God, you and me this morning. So Wednesday, Wednesday says, uh, no, sorry, that's Tuesday. Tuesday says, do not be dismayed. That's an interesting word. I looked that up as well. Dismayed means a sudden loss of courage, right? Regarding danger or trouble. That's the reference to it. Don't be dismayed. Don't, don't lose courage in, in, in whatever circumstances you, you find yourself in that are troubling you. Whatever they might be. Job, marriage, relationships with, with siblings, whatever. Don't be dismayed. And then we get to hump day, Wednesday, you know. He says there, fear not, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. Now, if we had time, and, you know, I'm right out, I've run out of time, but if we had time, you, at the end of chapter 41, God, cha- God gives a challenge to all the idols and gods of all the other nations, and, and, and he challenges them, you know, uh, are they doing what I'm doing? Can they save you? you know, no. But what he's actually saying here, he says, the powerful I am, I'm your God. It's personal. You have a God who loves you and cares for you. He's a historical God too. You can look back at his character and the things that he's done. He's created things, big things. You know, he's sustained things for a long, long time. He never gives up on anybody. And the thing about this God is that, you know, he's not going to die because he's an everlasting God. And in Isaiah 43, in a couple of weeks, you know, someone's going to talk about this, the very first verse. And this is what he says to to the nation of Israel. He says, you are mine. Got that? 
You are mine. If you, I haven't got time to read this, but I want you, promise me you'll do this, read John chapter 10, John's Gospel chapter 10 sometime today. Because in there it says, the Lord says, he has sheep, he calls us sheep. He says, my sheep. He's the shepherd of the sheep. He loves the sheep. He tells, he, he's out there with, he loves the sheep. So much so that he gave his life for the sheep. And it does not end there. He's guiding us, protecting us, sustaining us every single day. That's the God that you and I have. Personal and we belong to him. And he's jealous. Day six. That's Thursday. I will strengthen you. The source of our strength is, is, is mighty and it's limitless, right? Not only is he, is he going to be our God and he's, and he's going to be with us, but he will actually give us strength. I love the New Testament where it says that, that God, God will provide whatever we need in the circumstances to stand up, to bear, to withstand, to hold, hold our ground, to stand firm. All those things are mentioned in the New Testament. I was going to read the verses, but I haven't got time. Day six, Friday. We're getting to Friday, nearly the end of the week. Friday's my favourite day of the week, apart from Sunday, of course, but working week. He says there, you know, it's Monday, Tuesday, Friday. I'm tired. You're tired. He says, I will help you. Now, that's a bit different from I will strengthen you because you can be a strong person. You can be strong, really strong. You know, there's some guys at Bunnings when you meet other tradies, there are some big blokes out there, young, big, strong blokes. You know, I'm thinking, I wish I was as strong and as big as those blokes. But even strong people can't do everything on their own. They can't. They get tired. Sometimes the, the load's too big, to, too heavy to, 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 um, to carry. And it says there, I will help you. Strengthen you and I will help you. And help means, and this is the, the word for help here means to assist, to promote, to relieve to aid, to have your back. And then Saturday, Saturday, the last day of the week, and you get to Saturday and the little thing there, the little phrase there is, I will uphold you. And I'll tell you what that means in a moment. And you look back, you look back and there's Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. That's your history. Huh? Huh? That's history. Might only be a week, but it's past, and God has governed your history. Think about that, because the word uphold means that means to support, to defend. I love that. To keep you from sinking, it means to lift upwards, to raise up. And I love this. That there's a synonym for for uphold and it's to champion and that means Josh to fight for and I look back 
at my week, at my history, and I see the hand of God upholding me. And that's what God can do and does do every week. That's why you have this little bit of paper. I want you to, I want you to cut that out and stick it on your mirror, in your Bible, in the car. And have a look at what God's doing for you each and every single day. And it's better than that. He just doesn't do, he just doesn't uh, uh, be with you on a Monday. That's just for you to remember that he does that every day and so on. My time's gone. I've got to finish. Sorry. So, last slide. Who governs history? <laughs> I had to put this in. You know, I, I had a bit of a laugh when I did it. Who governs history? The answer is God. Raf, why didn't you just say that at the start? And we could have finished 35 minutes ago. Brothers and sisters, God governs all. The past, the present and the future. He governs not just history, not just what's happening. He's governing the present and he's governing what's going to happen tomorrow. Thanks, Josh.